you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey everybody, it's Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we didn't think of a clever opening in time. Uh, it's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Florio and Laquan Jones. And Florio, let's just let's just get it out of the way now, man. Um floor is yours. Just, you know, please, I'm I'm opening <laughs> the floor to you. Please, you know, get out whatever feelings you have right now. So I, I was talking to Laquan before the show, and I say I allow myself a day every year uh, after they lose to kind of be sad. Uh, most of my timeline yesterday was about the Bills. Now I kind of move forward. But I, I have one thing. Like, I, like, I'm a Bills fan. You guys know that. I would almost call myself a Josh Allen fan first because I think he is that good and that amazing. So I want my only beef is with this narrative that he's not good or he's Phillip Rivers or whatever the case oh, may God. be. Um, <laughs> who said that? See, I didn't see the Philip Rivers take somewhere. I, I saw a lot of people around. recall in the last four years where the Bills have lost in the playoffs. Three of them have been to the Chiefs. One of them has been to the Bengals. They have sacked the quarterback one time in four games. Uh, they have allowed the Chiefs to average 36 points per game. They've never had a turnover on Mahomes. They've never sacked Patrick Mahomes. Uh, any other quarterback in that situation, when you have a defensive head coach and a defense where most of your resources, draft picks and free agency signings have gone to building up a defense, most quarterbacks lose those games by two touchdowns. So the fact that Allen has been beat bad one time in four years or in the last three years, uh, to me, I think that kind of speaks to how good he is and that he can keep this team in games and I don't think the narrative should be, is Josh Allen great? I think the narrative should be, how do the Bills continue to waste his greatness? Mm. So that is my, look, you want to beat up on McDermott and the defense and all of that? I'm right there with you. The one player who showed up this week, it wasn't 14, it wasn't 91, it was 17. And that's how it's continued to be each of the year in the playoffs. So, and look, Marcus, 
we we make fun of other bad quarterback narratives all the time. I, I think this just joins the list. The, the Lamar narrative last offseason was terrible. The Dak narrative was terrible. Uh, it's just every year they have to pick a quarterback to kind of to beat up on. And I think it's stupid. I think, well, one, it's it's a product of we somehow have to have every game be a referendum on a quarterback, right? Like, whose leg? I saw a tweet just now, like, whose legacy is most at stake this weekend, right? And it had, like, all four of the quarterbacks, which I'm like, Jared Goff and Brock Purdy? Like, anybody's, I don't think anybody's really thinking about their legacies at this point. <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> but I think that's that's part of what this is, right? So, like, a quarterback's team wins or loses a game, and suddenly it becomes a a plant the flag moment about who that quarterback is. So I think that's, that's part of it. I, my take on Josh Allen is that he is sort of to, to, you know, mix metaphors, change sports. He's, he's like nineties, Charles Barkley, right? I mean, he's a guy who is an incredible athlete, an incredible player will do a lot to help his team. Uh, Barkley kept running into Michael Jordan. You know, yeah. um, and, and that I think is sort of where Josh Allen is, where you watch him play. And yeah, he's he will occasionally throw some interceptions that, you know, make you want to punch your television. Although <laughs> is, he didn't turn the ball over in the postseason. No turnovers. 70 percent completion percentage in the playoffs this year. Yeah. So so occasionally he'll make some head scratching plays, but, you know, more often than not, he's going to do enough to keep you in a game and to win a ball game for you. The problem has been he is running up on the guy who, when it's all said and done, could be the greatest quarterback in NFL history. Yeah. That's the, the the problem is that, you know, I don't know. Uh, Josh Allen needs needs Patrick Mahomes to go play minor league baseball for two seasons or something. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, like, yes, <laughs> right? we need, that's what he needs. I, I agree. But I also like to take it a step further coming into the game. It's like, who is the better head coach? Patrick Mahomes. Who is the better defense? Patrick Mahomes. Who is the better weapons? And, and I know this was a down year for their weapons, but like Travis Kelsey stepped up. Stephon Diggs did the opposite of step up. Their running back is better on the cheat. Like he has an all around better unit around him as well. And Josh Allen is still taking him to the brink. To me, I, I, I'm not going to pull a Sean O'Hara and say that he's better than Mahomes. I think Mahomes is the best. But I think it's a lot closer than we want to realize. And I think at some point... It has to, the, the conversation has to change from like, what is Allen? Allen, you could say, I think made one bad decision in that game. And it's a decision where if his best O-lineman isn't pushed into him, it's a go-ahead touchdown in under two minutes. So like, I, I don't know. I, I just think the narrative is really bad. And I think the man that we should be blaming <clears throat> is not wearing 17. It, it, I, I think it's the head coach. But like, where was Stephon Diggs in, in this stretch? You know, like, it, like someone else needs to step up. Yeah. I think that's the biggest issue with him, though, you know, not having the complete pieces around him. Because like we mentioned, Mahomes had guys step up for him. MVS making big catches. I mean, the big plays downfield. I mean, he was 0-4. Josh Allen was 0-4 in the deep balls. Like, who's going to step up for him to get this offense oh, moving? He was 0-4, but like you know, one of them was a blatant drop. Too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so Diggs had the drop. Sherfield had one go through his hands with no defender on him. And then he had another one where it legitimately hit him right in the hand and bounced off of it. And then the fourth one was the one, the touchdown where he got hit. Like, I know it sounds like you're making excuses for him, but at some point you have to look at these other players and be like, he, he put the ball 60 yards downfield in Diggs' hands. Like, there's no more he can do on that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, welcome to the uh, well to, a, <laughs> to the continuation of uh, of Twitter Sports because this is what it's going to be. We'll talk a little bit about this game in a little bit. We got plenty of stuff to talk about on the show. Uh, we are going to break down divisional weekend, maybe ask some of the big questions, mostly of the teams. Uh, that were eliminated because the teams that are going on, we can talk about them later on in the week, but also going to start turning our attention to the off season, to draft season, all that sort of stuff. Uh, we are going to talk some bears. And of course, to do that, we stayed in house. We went to go uh, to our pal, Adam rank. So he'll stop by and he'll talk about the bears, what he thinks should happen with Justin Fields, uh, the coaching change. That was Shane Waldron at offensive coordinator that and plenty, plenty more. So stick around for that. Um, one bit of news wanted to talk about the Tennessee Titans have a new head coach. It is former Bengals offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan and Laquan. We sat here before the show. We were all sort of, <laughs> confused by the move and I think more confused by the timing of the move. I mean, what do you make of any of this? Yeah, you had so many options out there and like this was kind of early to pull the trigger in the coaching hire cycle and like, I don't know, I, I think he's coming in because he's been around some amazing quarterbacks and I mean, he's been around Peyton Manning, Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, you know, the list goes on around the quarterbacks he's been around and you have a young quarterback, you know, with Tennessee. Um, hopefully he can get Will Levis up, right, and get him to be mentioned with the Joe Burrows, the Matthew Stafford, the quarterbacks he's been around. Um, I think this is more so of like they're focusing on the quarterback position right now and bringing a guy that can kind of whisper to the quarterbacks because we've seen a resurge of Geno Smith. You know, he was around that. So it's like, I think they're really just going to put all their eggs in one basket around Will Levis and put weapons around him, build up a team around him, and they're going to want a guy that's been around some amazing quarterbacks in his career. I mean, yeah, I mean, he mentions the quarterbacks, Florio, but... Look, I think look, it's only been one year, but the the jury is still very much out on Will Levis. Uh, mm -hmm. DeAndre Hopkins, for as, as well as he played last year, is getting older. Traylon Burks has done really nothing of note so far in his career. No. Um, Derrick Henry very likely won't be back next year. So it feels like Callahan is walking into a bare kitchen. I mean, like he's looking around to try to make a meal and there's like one ramen packet and some ketchup. <laughs> like what, what is he going to do with this? Uh, the thing too, though, is like he's been around good quarterbacks, but like, Joe Burrow isn't going to be playing quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Like no. it's easy to look at his ranks as the Cincy OC and be like, Oh wow. They had some really good years. It's like, well, they had T Higgins. They had Jamar chase. They had Joe Mixon. They had Joe Burrow. He also didn't call the plays either. So that too, <laughs> that's the biggest thing. Yeah. In my opinion, and I could be wrong here, but hiring a first time head coach who has never been a play caller and not just in the NFL, like his entire coaching tenure, he has helped build game plans before. Yeah. That's what he did in Cincinnati. Maybe he doesn't call the place. Maybe he just, he says, I'm going to build a game plan here and I'm going to have someone else call the place. I don't know. But to me, it seems like a, a big risk. And again, no, no disrespect to Callahan. He could prove us wrong and everything, but it's an especially weird move given how much talent is out there right now. Like the talk keeps being, this is the greatest coaching availability maybe ever in, in NFL history. And you hired an unproven uh, play caller who's never called plays before. So uh, to me, maybe he could work his magic. Uh, I think potentially what Jake Browning did was what pushed him over because it's like, all right, well, they're, they're often stayed afloat without Joe Burrow. And it did, but like, 
I don't know. Is a hot six-week stretch enough for me to be like, all right, I'm, we're just going to hire this guy and not talk to Pete Carroll or Bill Belichick or those guys? <laughs> Very soon. Yeah. I mean, I think that's sort of the thing is that, you know, this isn't, this isn't like a Jim Harbaugh thing where you know you have a lot of competition uh, to hire him or a Bill Belichick or a Ben Johnson, somebody like that, which, uh, by the way, the reports are that seems like any moment now uh, Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers could agree on a deal so he may be heading to Los Angeles I'm sort of sad by the way that Pete Carroll isn't going to be coaching at least it doesn't look like he's going to be coaching right now because mm. the Harbaugh Carroll rivalry when they were both in the Pac-12 was amazing um, just just Google Google Pete Carroll Jim Harbaugh what's your deal and uh, and that that's kind of it I would love to run it back in the NFL, but I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, all right. Uh, let's talk about what did happen over the past weekend in the divisional games, so four games. Uh, I, I did let you vent a little bit about the <laughs> Bills, Florida. So I figured let's get this one out of the way early so you don't have to relive this too much. Uh, Chiefs, obviously, they get the 27-24 win. They hang on to beat the Bills and go to the AFC championship game. Uh for Buffalo, you mentioned Stefan Diggs not showing up in that game, not really showing up in the back half of the season, and the fact that they don't have a number two guy that scares you, right? We know who Gabe Davis is. Khalil Shakir is a nice piece, but he's not, you know, he's not keeping defensive coordinators up at night. Should wide receiver be a priority for the Bills in this draft? It should be priority one, two, and three, I think. Uh Last year was the first year that they actually decided like, hey, maybe we should invest in the offense, which is the whole reason why we are championship contenders anyway. But yeah, like Gabe Davis is a free agent and he was screaming at fans the other day. It looks like he's likely gone. Shakir is a really good slot receiver. Diggs, this is the first time ever where I I have some doubts about Diggs and I'm hoping that we hear that like he was playing injured. It seems like maybe he had a core issue or something like that. I don't know, but if that's not the case, then there's big questions with him. But I know his contract is so hard to move that I don't think they'll they'll get rid of him. I think you need to add speed on the outside. You need to add someone who could win downfield because it was evident uh, when Gabe Davis was playing hurt down the stretch and then missed some time. Like they had no one who could win downfield. And when you have Josh Allen, you want to utilize his arm downfield. It's kind of. Like the Chiefs, I know their weapons were bad this year, but they continue to get speedsters who can win downfield and take advantage of the cannon arm that Mahomes has. Yeah. So, yeah, I think whether it be in the draft, um, I know I kept saying Mike Evans to the Chiefs, but I was thinking about it yesterday. Like Diggs, as great as he is, I don't think he's even a great, the best type of fit for a Josh Allen. Like mm. Allen isn't a pre- precision like I'm going to this timing is going to hit you directly where you need. And that's kind of the route runner that Diggs is like if you put a Mike Evans or someone with that skill set where it's like get downfield and I'll put it in your radius and you go up and you catch it. I, I think it will take this them to another level. So I want I want downfield speed and I want some size at the position. And then I mm. think maybe you're cooking with some fire. I mean, Laquan, if they don't make any serious upgrades to this wide receiver group. If it's Stefan Diggs and kind of the same cast of characters, are we still in on Josh Allen as say the QB one or are you in at all uh, on him at all as the QB one right now? I guess is the other question. I mean, I'm in on him just based on what he does, man. He he's such a wild card player. I mean, like his rushing ability is what makes you interested in him to begin with. And to Florida's point, I don't think Josh Allen's the problem. He's not a bad quarterback. It's just that he doesn't have reliable, 
you know, playmakers around him. And like when you compare, you know, we go to back to the Chiefs game. Yeah, like their offense isn't as great as it's been, but they had a lot of players step up in reliable moments and make some big plays. So if you move on from Stefan Diggs, who are you going to move on to? Who's going to make an impact day one? So you have to hit free agency. You have to like start thinking about who else you bring in the pair with Josh Allen, because you guys mentioned they have some key players that they can build on with Kincaid, James Cook and Shakir starting to flash. So it's not like they're going to be starting from, you know, the bottom, you know, where they're going to try to figure out and bring in another wide receiver. But Josh Allen, to me, he's my ride or die, you know, in fantasy if I need him. So Josh Allen will be 28 when the next season starts. Certainly not old by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, uh, what did I see the other day that, you know, you look at the AFC quarterbacks with Allen, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert, all these guys, uh, CJ Stroud, all these guys are 28 years old or younger. Um, Babies. They are going to be, in theory, you know, barring any major injury, knock on wood, going to be around for a while. The other part of that is that some, somebody's going to get left out when it comes to, you know, playoff wins, championship wins. Because there's just too many good quarterbacks, somebody's going to end up being the one that that maybe sort of underwhelms in that category, and it may not be that person's fault just because they play in a really loaded AFC yeah. uh, at the moment. Speaking of the AFC and Lamar Jackson and C.J. Stroud, uh, it was close in the first half, 10-10 at halftime. Second they half was all us. Baltimore, 34 to 10 was the final score. And Laquan, I, I looked at this as the Texans obviously had an amazing season. They win the division. Yeah. They win a playoff game. But in that second half, it sort of looked like a team that was new to this going against the team that has been here before and has a ton of talent. What do the Texans need to do in order to play with some of the elite teams in the AFC? Uh, stay healthy, for one. I mean, you saw this offense kind of just stall out. You know, like they, they were keeping it a game in the first half and then the defense just got exhausted and you were noticing the absence of Tank Dell. So if he was healthy, I really think they would have had like a, a bigger dog in that fight because you're looking at Nico Collins doing literally everything that he could possible. And he's such an electric talent, but you still need that guy on the other side that can step up and take the pressure off of you. So without Tank Dell, without a running game that is effective, it's like there's a lot of things that they need to... You know do but it's a learning experience for the texans man it's just most important they need to stay healthy on both sides of the ball you know especially when it comes to big games like this yeah and i look i don't want to make it sound like the texans are doomed and that you know this is as far as they're ever going to get because they showed us a lot over the course of the year it was just you know in the second half they ran into a really good team uh and they kind of got buzzsawed in the third and fourth quarters and it's the Ravens defense. Like, this wasn't a yeah. defense that was just, like, some type of slot. This is an elite defense that have all the correct pieces from every level, from the defensive line, linebackers, and the secondary. So, for Stroud to even keep it at a game and still go out there and fight and while your offense is a little beat up, it's like, this, this future is bright in Houston, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. But, I mean, Florio, can they win consistently if they don't, it's some semblance of a running game because I don't I like Devin Singletary. I don't think Devin Singletary is it. Yeah, I, I think they need to imp- improve the run game. I look, they have some really nice young pass catchers. Nico Collins is awesome. Tank Dell is awesome. Uh, Noah Brown w- was pretty good when he needed it. I, I don't know if they have like a 
They they don't have an elite NFL wide receiver, but they have a lot of really good pieces there. So I don't know if they necessarily need to upgrade there a whole lot. I think the running game, I think the defense, like yeah. uh, they, they were great against the run, at least for running backs. They struggle against running quarterbacks. They really struggled against the pass this year. They allowed a lot of big uh, performances through the air. So I think you continue to add on that side of the ball. And like to put things into perspective, Ravens first defense since as far back as we can track, which is 1970 to lead the NFL in scoring defenses, takeaways and sacks. I know this defense is very good and they get talked up as being very good. They don't get talked up enough as being like a historic all time defense. And I truly believe that's what they are. And CJ Stroud kept it a game. I know the punt return and all that helped, but like he kept it a game and kept it close until the second half. So I I think this was a learning curve. You were a year early for a game like this, probably maybe even two years early. A lot of people would have said coming into the year. So I think, I think if you're a Texans fan, it stinks, but it reminds me a lot of when the, and I, I know I'm bringing it back to the Bills, but like when the Bills lost to the Chiefs in that AFC Championship game now four years ago, it was like, okay, no one even had us being here. I'm not upset that they lost that game. I, I think it's a learning curve, and now it's like a, we, ha- we, we know what it takes to get here. Now we need to figure out what it takes to get even further, and I think the Texans have reached that point probably a year or two early. Yeah, no, this is a valuable experience, I think, for the Texans, because this was supposed to be the Jaguars division for the next couple of years, at least. Uh, They completely melted down down the stretch and ended up not making the playoffs at all. So, no, I definitely think that the the Texans are ahead of schedule. And so this ends up being a valuable, valuable learning experience uh, for Houston and and everybody there in that building. Um, Niners, a 24-21 win over the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Green Bay made life hell for San Francisco for three and a half quarters. And uh, Brock Purdy figured it out at the right time to to lead a game-winning touchdown drive. And the Niners survive in advance. Uh, I'm going to ask you, Laquan, because I know that you on the socials just did a video about this. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> sort out the Packers wide receiver. <laughs> yes, you did. Sort out the Packers wide receiver for receivers for fantasy next year. How I look at it, like really folding out is Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed will be the 1A, 1B. So obviously you'll see Reed go off the board first, but Dobbs was very reliable for, you know, Jordan Love. He led them in targets. Um, I know everybody's probably wondering where Christian Watson is, and I'm wondering the same. I mean, honestly, availability is your best ability. That's where I really like try to stand on, especially when it comes to wide receivers that are coming in with hype trains, you know, the great talent. There's nothing wrong with his talent. It's just like we need to see him on the field and build this chemistry with Jordan Love. We need to see him on this field and stay healthy as well. So when you talk to me about Packers wide receivers, I need, you know, the Wisconsin Debo Samuel. I need Jalen Reed. You know, and I and I can be safe with a low end wide receiver too with Romeo Dobbs. So Christian Watson, he's going to go off the board. He's probably going to go off the board. You know, before Dobbs, it, it is what it is. You think but so, huh? Yeah, I think it is because he ha- he gives me Gabe Davis vibes. I mean, I hate saying the blanket statement like that, but he's giving me you know where like he has a talent to do X, Y, and Z, but there's just some games where he does not show up. Gabe Davis vibe, like. So this is where we are now, right? Gabe Davis vibes makes me a little bit queasy Um, (laughs) because a couple years ago, after he had that big game in the playoffs against the Chiefs, I was of the, okay, look, if you're drafting him as like a third wide receiver, I think he's going to be good enough for you. And he really, really wasn't. Now I'm at the point where it's like, I hear Gabe Davis vibes and I just think of all the times that you put him in your lineup and you get nothing or next to nothing. Donuts. 
Um, I, 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 I think I think Christian Watson is a good chunk better than Gabe Davis. Um, I think Gabe Davis is is purely boomer bust down the field, and I understand that that's Christian Watson's best skill set is that he's very explosive and can win downfield. I think he just does the other. Like I think he's a better route runner than Gabe Davis. I think he yeah. has better hands than Gabe Davis. Um, but I do agree with Laquan's point. Availability is the best ability, and I'm always the injury prone is like extremely overrated and it gets thrown around and such. But my the caveat I always say to that is like unless it's a recurring injury and two yeah. years in the NFL, two years that have been hampered by hamstring injuries for Christian yeah, Watson. So yeah, I, I do agree yeah. that it, it is very concerning. Um, I do think Watson, though, when healthy is better than Romeo Dobbs and, and will be utilized more. But to me, and I was saying it coming into this year, like I want Jaden Reed most at cost, but next year I think it should just be you want him most, even if you have to pay the highest cost to get him, because I do think he is their best wide. Like as a rookie, he came in and outperformed Romeo Dobbs. Mm -hmm. They drafted him second round when they knew what they had in Romeo Dobbs on the roster already. And Jaden Reed, the reason we were so excited for him is how dynamic he is as a player. And we saw them utilize that more and more as the season went on. So another year with him comfortable in this system and in this league and with Jordan love having a command of this offense, like he did in the down the stretch. I'm very, very excited for Jaden Reed. I I think Romeo Dobbs is a solid wide receiver. I think Wicks is a solid wide receiver. I think Watson has high upside, but is, is very volatile. Um, th- this is a very fun young wide receiving core, but I think Jaden Reed is head and shoulders the best one, in my opinion. Are any of them better, though, than a low-end wide receiver, too? And not because of talent, just because of numbers. The numbers. I was going to say the volume, it's going to be spread out. That's why you had the extra risk risk for Christian Watson drafting him, because you have already this you know, piled up on him, the injury, his, his lack of chemistry with Jordan Love, because Jordan Love passer rating was 69.8. That's not good when you're targeting Christian Watson. And Jordan Love had 13 total interceptions, including the playoffs. And six of those were going to Christian Watson. So it's could be a timing thing. It could be, you know, he's running the wrong routes. It could be multiple things, but whatever it is, this is the information we have right now. And going into next season, I can't see myself drafting him as the first Packer, you know, off the board thinking he's going to be the number one. We need to see it first. We need to see flashes of him being the true alpha of this offense. To that point, I I think it's like it's a community thing, but like a fantasy community thing, at least like uh, Jaden Reed is going to have shorter targets, which means he's going to have a higher catch rate. He's going to pick up more catches he's probably gonna get you know be the much more consistent option it's the way that certain like yeah christian watson at the end of the year could have better numbers but it's gonna be like because the way they're utilizing him if it's much harder to connect on a 50 yard pass you know so uh and and those stats that laquan said with jordan love blew my mind I, i had not realized that those two had had so much chemistry issues but uh yeah i could i I could see Jaden Reed finishing higher than a low-end wide receiver, too, but I wouldn't want to draft him as one, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, it does. I, I know this applies to every player, but I really do think ADP is going to have a big, big impact on how I feel about the Packers wide receivers. Because um, I think I think it's going to be very hard to figure from week to week uh, next year which guy is going to be the guy. Uh, one last game, Lions and Buccaneers. Detroit, a 31-23 winner over Tampa Bay. And 
uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Mike Evans next year? I know the Bucks have said they want him back. No surprise. I would think that he wouldn't mind coming back considering all the success he's had there. But want to talk about Rashad White because, Florio, I know you were – you were not on the Rashad White hype train early in the season for good reason. He, he was not playing all that well, but then picked it up midway through the year uh, and looked very productive down the stretch. So having seen that, what is your outlook for Rashad White next year? Um, I It's going to depend on a lot of stuff like you were saying. Is Baker Mayfield back? Is Dave Canales back? Because he is in demand right now as potentially could get a, another gig somewhere or a head coaching gig. So I think a lot still to be determined. But I'll tell you right now, I know he finished as an RB1. I, there is 0% chance I'm going to pay an RB1 price for Rashad White <laughs> because the, the running efficiency is is poor. And... I know Austin Eckler did it for years where like, okay, you can be more of a receiving back, but you need high touch. Like you need high volume target share there. You need touchdown opportunities and such like that. So I think his room for error is a lot less because if, if the Bucks offense isn't as efficient or not throwing to him as much, then, then we're talking about him what he was early in the year, which is an RB three. So I think an RB two price is the right point for Rashad white, but the fantasy community loves him. And if he gets pulled up (laughs) higher than that, I will gladly sit out again. I don't think I know your feelings on Rashad White, Laquan. Where do you fall on him? I mean, the fantasy streets are talking, and Rashad White (laughs) is one of the people they love. And the way I'm approaching it, if Baker's back, we back on Rashad White. That's just how I'm looking at it. I mean, if 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 Baker's not there, if Mike Evans is not there, of course he's gonna, you know, really mess some things up because like Fleur was saying, I don't really care for him as a runner. I mean, he almost cracked 1K, but he's not efficient week to week as a runner. So I want him more so with Baker because running backs with Baker Mayfield, they eat, man. I mean, like they're at the averaging 15 plus fantasy points per game with Baker as the starter. And that's Nick Chubb. That's Cam Makers. That's adding Rashad White there into that mixture. Christian McCaffrey, the time he was there with the Panthers, like he is going to be able to dump it off with, you know, the running back. So I want, Rashad White as the route runner because no other running back ran ran more routes than him. He was top five in yards per reception, so he's maximizing those yards in open space. So that's just my feelings. If Baker's back, we are back on Rashad White. I mean, basically the Bucks figured out halfway through the year that we can't run it, so we're just going to throw short passes, and this yeah. is going to be our running game. Uh, also very curious to see what they do along the offensive line, if they can get some upgrades there because they struggled as a run-blocking group, and that was part of why uh, Rashad White was not super efficient. I have a feeling that it's all said and done. Like we get through the spring and the summer and we talk this out. I feel like the the ADP will feel about right for Rashad White. Maybe. Maybe. Depending on what the fantasy streets do, but we'll see. What what round would you say is about right? Five? I was going to say four. Oh, I, I'm cool with that. If he goes three, I'm out. No. Late yeah, three, maybe. Little, it depends what I'm doing, one and two, but four feels safe. All right. Uh, we'll have to start doing some mock drafts and kind of figure out where Rashad White goes uh, in any of those. But, um, yeah, there it is. That's the uh, look at the divisional round. Uh, on Thursday, we will preview the championship games. Uh, do some DFS stuff there as well. But I'm uh, going to take a quick break, come back. We're going to talk to Adam Rank about what the Chicago Bears should do. Do they move on from Justin Fields? Is it all Caleb all the time? That's coming up next on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, there are, you know, obviously four teams still left playing, but for everybody else, the attention has turned to the offseason and maybe one of the more intriguing offseasons to come. We'll be with the Chicago Bears because they've got the number one overall pick. They also have another pick in the top 10. And so I figured if we're going to talk about the Bears on this show, there's only one person that we really wanted to call. You know him from NFL Fantasy Live. You know him from Good Morning Football. You know him from probably shortchanging your team wins in his preseason predictions. Uh, It's because he hates your team. But also, you know him from the sick podcast with Adam Rank. It is Adam Rank. What's up, man? Hey guys, uh, great to see you. It's been a couple of weeks since the fantasy season ended. It's funny because, you know, we were in our last week of the season. You know, we're in the locker room there at the NFL Network. And Greg Rosenthal, who of course was a huge part of Roto World and the growth of that company, looked at me and he's like, your season's just about over, isn't it? I'm like, yep. (laughs) You had had the golden ticket, Greg, but no, you wanted to talk real football. So enjoy the month of January. I'll be out golfing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I thought about that. I'm like, yeah, man, like season's over. And I had to yeah. remind myself, they're like, no, season's only over for us, not for everybody <laughs> <Yeah>. else <laughs> who has to go through playoffs and Super Bowl and, and all that other kind of stuff. We like check back in for like draft season sure. and free agency. And that's kind of it. I mean, um, as a Bears fan, I never have to worry about the playoffs. So that's an added luxury. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, what's funny is like everybody always talks about that. Because uh, I obviously root for the Angels, too. They're like, doesn't it suck? I'm like, you know how much money I save by my team not going to the playoffs? <laughs> like, I can't imagine because my kids would want to go to the games and I would take them and that would cost thousands of dollars. I'm like, the Angels have actually cut me a break over the last six years <laughs> by not making the playoffs. Like, thank you. Like, I couldn't I couldn't spend that kind of I, cash anymore. I strongly considered flying to Buffalo this past weekend. I'm so happy <laughs> you really that I did, did not. <laughs> well, you knew what was going to happen. Wait, are you a Bills, you're a Bills guy? Come on, you know this. I thought you were a Giants fan. No, you know this. You were Tommy DeVito the whole time. You were doing the, the cutlets. <laughs> That's true. 
That is big true. Jersey. That's very, why. Very confusing. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's let's talk about the Bears because they do have the number one pick, and the, I guess the first question that everybody wants to know is what happens with Justin Fields. You, uh, you know, I know you follow this team closely. You talk to people kind of around them. Your best guess: Do the Bears move on from Justin Fields? Well, this is a very interesting uh, question because as somebody who does a Bears podcast that you can find here in all the available places, the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank. We, we would say the majority of fans want Justin Fields to return because there is a you've, you're emotionally invested in him and his growth. We've been defending him for a number of years now. And coming out of Ohio State, he was the quarterback that I wanted because obviously Trevor Lawrence was going number one overall. But looking at those other quarterbacks, I'm like, Justin Fields is playing at a high level uh, for a BCS team that's going to the playoffs. So he was always the player that I wanted. So emotionally... I'm attached to Justin Fields. I will be a fan of his forever unless he gets traded to Green Bay. Probably not going to happen. So I think I will always be a fan of his. But anytime that I talk to a person, man or woman, who either works for a, in, an NFL team, worked for an NFL team, or has desires to work for an NFL team, they're all convinced that Caleb Williams is the play, the resetting the quarterback clock. And so I understand the science behind that. I think there's valid points on both sides of this. But I think for the most part, it feels like from NFL people, it feels like Caleb Williams eventually is going to be the guy and they'll end up trading Justin Fields. That's not what I want. I would build around Justin Fields, but you know what? I'm not paid to make that decision. Is it just, is it just the, the idea of having to pay him on a second contract? I mean, I, he seems to be progressing on the field. So I feel like it's just, it's gotta be a financial thing more than anything. Everybody loves the reset the quarterback clock conversation. I think too many people have played Madden growing up and they run <laughs> fantasy football teams and they think they know how to run an organization. But when you look at the four teams from the NFC side that were in the playoffs this season, there were four teams that did not have elite quarterbacks. Like outside of Oshkosh, nobody believes that Jordan loves is an elite <laughs> quarterback. I will tell you, like they were like good quarterback, like good quarterback. Like Brock Purdy's a good quarterback. Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback. But none of them were Patrick Mahomes level elite, Josh Allen level elite, anything like that. And you could even make the conversation that is there anybody in the NFC who's an elite level quarterback? I really love the idea of roster building. And for me, when you look at Caleb Williams, and I think that he could be a great player. This guy is going to end up costing you three first round picks in that that's who you could probably that's what you could probably fetch in a trade for him, getting somebody to move up and even going back down and looking at the trade the Bears were able to pull off last season for Bryce Young. I would suggest that Caleb Williams is a much better prospect. People have a higher grade on him. So if you could get somebody, and I don't know, I don't want to throw teams out there, but like the Raiders, for instance, where you're dropping back down to seven, you get a couple of years of first round picks. Like that's what you're giving up to get Caleb Williams. So I know it's it's sort of house money because it's Carolina's pick, but it also is going to cost you three first round picks of the future where you could build a sustained, a sustained team for a number of years. And you know what? Let's say that perhaps, you know, Shane Waldron comes in and Justin Fields ends up not being the guy. I can't say 100% with pure certainty, but I think there will be quarterbacks available in the draft in 2025, but I cannot <laughs> confirm that. <laughs> so, Rank, I, I just wanted to ask you, because you talked about the roster building and 
if they do end up keeping Justin Fields, what are some of the pieces that they have to add there? I mean, the O-line kind of has been shaky the last couple of years. I mean, they were just basically letting him get bombed out, you know, in, in the backfield. I mean, they allowed the second most unblocked sacks last uh, in 2023. So where are some of the areas you think, you know, the O-line, wide receiver two, where, where else could they build? Well, I believe that both tackles are legit. Braxton Jones mm-hmm. and the rookie uh, Darnell Wright were both very good. They're they're progressing. Tevin Jenkins, when he's available and healthy, he's one of the best guards in the NFL. Unfortunately, Dixon coming in from Tennessee did not quite work out. They've had a huge issue at the center position. I think that if they get the center position correct, that's going to solve a lot of their offensive line issues. And also – designing schemes to help Justin Fields get rid of the ball quicker. <laughs> yeah. Run a slant, maybe. I don't know. That's, a, that's just me. Get open. <laughs> I really do believe that there could be there. There's issues like the offensive line needs to be improved. Absolutely. But, and, and again, this goes to the fact that there's going to be opportunities in the free agency. I think that's going to tell yeah. a lot. Like what, where are they going in free agency? If they go out yeah. there and I haven't really looked to see who the top available center is going to be because I would prefer it to be a veteran player instead of bringing in a exactly. rookie. Yeah. You want a veteran. You want a veteran center to come in there. You also might want to add, and you could add some pieces in the draft as well. You would also look at: Are they going after guys like T. Higgins and Mike Evans in yeah. the draft, like or in the in free agency? Excuse me, because that would probably preclude them from taking somebody like Rome Adunze. Or one of the other receivers. I know there's a number of like Texas had a couple of great receivers out there. There's there's opportunities. So you start with free agency. They're one of the teams with the best cap positions in the league. Now, mm. obviously, they're going to have to go out and pay Jalen Johnson, which Ryan Poles has indicated that he's going to do that. And with all these accolades and honors that are coming his way, uh, it's going to cost. It's going to cost some money, but I think it's worth it. You got to start paying your players at some point. So we'll see what happens in free agency. And again, if they trade down, if they trade out of the number one spot, uh, that gives you opportunity Mm. to look at edge. It gives you an opportunity to look at the offensive line and, of course, wide receiver. And uh, Brock Bowers is there as well, if you want to do. I know like that was one of the things that I threw out recently Mm. was if the Atlanta Falcons offered you a very similar package to what Carolina did last year. But instead of DJ Moore, they gave you Kyle Pitts. Would you do this move? And it was funny because... The, the Bears fans are like, we've already got Cole Komet. I'm like, you know what? Uh, you, can run, <laughs> you, can, you can run 12 personnel. It's allowed. Because first of all, Kyle Pitts has never blocked anybody in his life. I don't think. I, I, he would be the worst bouncer in the world. He's tall, but it's like, oh, you're letting everybody buy you. I think that you could find a way. You would just, you know, we'd get rid of Bob Tunyon, the, the, the double agent. As I like to call it, <laughs> you would uh, you would be able to run some stuff. So I, again, I think there's a it's a it's a whole like it's a whole puzzle. And the funny thing too is like Bears fandom is so polarized one way or the other. I really do believe that you're in a win-win situation. I think both of these situations are winning hands. You know, it, it's kind of like uh, obviously I love the golf. Uh, it's like a guy you could either go for, you know, it's a short par four. You could pull out a driver and try to reach the green in one. Or if you're like me, I'm going to pull out my six iron and I'm going to go six iron, nine iron, and you're not nine iron, but like my 54 degree and I uh, get on the green that way. I'm still putting for birdie. You're doing that. So I, I think they're both very winnable situations and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they, how Ryan Poles decides to do this. I, I was thinking about this yesterday because 
I think the the whole Caleb Williams five-year window, that's like the long-term approach. Matt Eberflus isn't thinking five years down the road because if he doesn't compete this year, he could be gone. So is it possible that Eberflus and the Bears could be like, with Justin Fields and his rushing ability, with the way our defense played down the stretch, with Shane Waldron, if he could run a similar style offense where it's like competitive, you you control the clock and that, and you keep the game close to late, like – and if we use these picks on the defense and adding some weapons for Justin Fields, that might be the better path to be immediately competitive. That felt like when they when they made the decision to stick with with Matt Eberflus, you kind of sort of painted yourself into a corner where you should you should be sticking with Justin Fields because mm-hmm. it makes the most sense. You want the continuity. Yeah. The team won seven <clears throat> games this season. They also had three games where they were a 90% chance of winning that game. Uh, but unfortunately, we're befelled through just, I don't know, mismanagement. I don't know. Uh, the game against Denver, the game against Detroit, they should have swept the Lions. Uh, and of course, the game against the Cleveland Browns. Three instances where they had, and it's not like a fan being like, we could have won this game. Like, no, no, no. The statistical, the statistical house <laughs> edge in those games. Like it was, it was 90% of all three of them. It was a point zero 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 three percent of losing all three of them. You win two of those, you're in the playoffs. Uh, the Packers don't make it. So I really do believe that this team is closer. And even if you, if they did make the move for Caleb Williams, it would lead me to believe that Matt Eberflus is getting a couple of years, that it's probably not a lame duck situation. We don't know if he signed a four-year deal, presumably like nobody's ever known, but you know, going into his third season, it seems very realistic and you expect this team to continue to progress. You know, they talk about the Packers like, Oh, it's the youngest team in the NFL. It's like, okay, but the bears are very young too. The lions are very young too. (laughs) This is going to be a very difficult decision, but the bears have a lot of talent, like a lot of young talent. And I think a lot of their picks have uh, panned out pretty well. The chase, the chase Claypool trade did not work out in their favor, but you know what? You rebounded. You ended up bringing in Montez Sweat. Tyreek Stevenson, I feel, is as good, if not better, than Joey Porter, the guy who was drafted with the 32nd overall pick. I think that Ryan Poles has done a nice job of building this team to where you would expect them to be competitive enough that perhaps Matt Eberflus is on more of a two-year plan as opposed to a lame duck situation. So then is Shane Waldron the answer at OC? You know, it's interesting because a lot of Seahawks fans – we're like, good riddance. We'll see you. I'm like, how old did you expect this guy to be? It, your quarterback was still Geno Smith. Like, I know that it was fun. Yeah. I, I didn't write back. That's wonderful. The research it's, was cool. <laughs> why did he Why did he do this? And they're like, well, he didn't use, you know, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett a lot. I'm like, you know what? First of all, both those guys had 100 targets. I think that's more of a quarterback issue than it is anything else. So if you can come in and the Bears go out there and they they will address the wide receiver position and whether it's drafting one of these studs coming into the draft, whether it's, you know, signing T Higgins, whatever it is, uh, they're going to have two guys who are probably going to get 100 plus targets. I know that Brock Heward had been making the rounds kind of talking about, hey, like this, you know, he doesn't run the ball well enough. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, Kenneth Walker seemed to battle injuries a ton. You had Zach Charbonnet have okay times at, 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 in spots. I don't know that that's all on the offensive coordinator. I, I think that this team <clears throat> overachieved and played very well. And for me, one of the things that I really like about this situation is that it's a guy who was once a play caller. You know, they took a leap of faith 
with Luke Getze, similar to what Houston did with Bobby Slowick. You're bringing in a guy who's never called plays. Now, sometimes it can work out. Bobby Slowick obviously did a wonderful job there. And I think also having continuity with D'Amico Ryans being from the same set staff. This was kind of a marriage between Getze and Eberflus, where, to my knowledge, they didn't really have a working relationship previously. So now you bring in Shane Waldron and you're giving him an opportunity to call the play, something that he's done uh, successfully in the past. I think this helps out, and I think it actually could end up benefiting uh, the running game. So doing the, seeing some of the mock drafts come out, uh, Daniel Jeremiah has put out his first mock draft. Bucky Brooks has put out his first mock draft. Uh, they both have the Bears taking Caleb Williams at number one, not a major surprise, but they also both have the Bears taking an edge rusher at number nine, two different guys, but same position. Um, are are you good with that or do they need to you know, maybe spend that capital on a wide receiver? That would lead me to believe that they're signing a big one of the big free agents, which is fine. If they're going to do that, I would have, I would imagine that they're signing T Higgins. You would have to go to the McAfee family, not that McAfee, but <laughs> the Bears Hall of Famer because number five is retired in Chicago. So you could do a kind of thing with J.J. Watt talking to the Marshall Goldberg family, like we're taking mm. your your number out of the rafters, which I think is kind of a cool thing. I. I really love that idea, like pulling out the number of a guy who's still alive. Like when Jerry Rice did that to Steve Largent, I thought that was kind of a D move. Like, ah, like <laughs> no, he's still alive. Uh, he, you're breaking his records. You shouldn't get his number. But I think for somebody who's passed and it gives you an opportunity to learn something, I think it would be very cool if the Bears started doing that. Uh, 34 and 40, notwithstanding 51, no. But with some of these other guys <laughs> that you've never heard of, like, like George McAfee, like, yeah, okay, like, Let's unretire it. People will learn about him and school and T Higgins can wear it. So I, yeah. I don't mind that idea. One thing that we floated out on our podcast was similar to what Houston did last year is where they, you know, they drafted CJ Stroud and they sold out for Will Anderson. It would be interesting with all the draft capital that the bears have, if they sold out to get back into the top five and drafted Marvin Harrison jr., so you would have Caleb and Marvin Harrison Jr. and DJ Moore and let's go. Like if there's one thing, because Bears fans are going to be upset if Caleb Williams is the quarterback. No disrespect to Caleb. This isn't an indication. This isn't a knock on him, but we love Justin Fields. If you somehow made it Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr., we'd be like, yeah, that's okay. okay. That's fair. <laughs> we'll do that. And there's also, you know what? Um, you know, the, the interesting thing, too, about these mock drafts is like, well, what if the Bears went out there and signed Daniel Hunter? Like, and you didn't need an edge rusher. Mm. So there's also, it's it's hard to do these mock drafts this time of the year because we don't know where these teams are going in free agency. So no. it's good fodder and it's good for people. And Daniel needs to do something now because he can't just, he can't be like us and be on the payroll without anything to do. But, uh, you know, go do your thing. but uh, we'll see. This is a loaded free agent and draft class for Wad. I'm not going to act like a draft class expert, but from everyone who is a draft class expert, they say it's a loaded uh, wide receiver draft class. I know there's a lot of big name free agents there. So no matter who the quarterback is, I'm hopeful that you guys can add some talent there for our fantasy purposes because Fields was amazing. Statistically, when throwing to DJ Moore, it was when he was throwing to lesser wide receivers that the numbers yeah. kind of took a hit. Yeah, his numbers improved. Yeah, it was Darnell Mooney who fell off, and we don't know. And if you mm-hmm. listen to Amon Ross St. Brown with his brother Equinemius, they did a podcast, and Amon Ross St. Brown kind of indicated, like, somebody sold out Darnell Mooney. And, you know, you're curious, like, yeah, I don't know what the I don't know what the thing was. I don't know what the issue was uh, with Darnell Mooney, why he didn't excel. 
Uh, it was kind of a mystery and it sucks because it's his, you know, it's contract year. So he's probably going to have to go out. I kind of hope if Darnell doesn't return to the Bears, that I hope he goes to Kansas City and, you know, comes in there and, and becomes a very, you know, viable option for them. But yeah, just looking at some of these guys, one player that I really like that if the Bears don't take him, uh, if the Bears don't go, you know, if they if they take a, a wide receiver later. I, and again, I'm very early into the uh into the draft stuff. And of course I will be doing my mock draft with a twist at some point during this off season is uh, I love, was it Troy Franklin, the, uh, the Oregon mm-hmm. wide receiver. I, I think that he's a very interesting prospect. I know that, you know, there's some people, and if you listen to fantasy people who, who love talking about the helmets, like a player is only good, but depending on the helmet, like, Oh, who's the last Oregon receiver? Really? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Cause if Franklin's good, Franklin's good. Like I know it's been a weird thing where Oregon state has had all the stud receivers going back to what Chad Johnson, yeah. DJ Usmanzada, Brandon Zada, Cooks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's somebody else that I'm missing. I'm sure somebody will be like, Oh, and I'm sorry that I no disrespect to, to missing anybody. Yeah, but Oregon, like, I, I'm like, somebody brought that up. I'm like, who was the last one? Like, Bobby Moore? Like, I don't know. Um, it's hard to, like, who is Graziano's or Harrington's receivers? Like, gosh. But I, I think Franklin is a, I really like him. And so, again, like, if you're looking later in these drafts, somebody like, we saw it this year with guys like Tank Dell, who were not the top guys off the board, but still ended up being valuable contributors when given an opportunity. Josh Downs, I thought, played really good in stretches too. So the only guy who wasn't good was Quentin Johnston. And you guys kept trying to put that out there (laughs) all the time. I'm like, don't do it. Like he's not compared to other, he's better than me. Uh, I was pretty pretty good, uh, if I'm going to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, not, not great. So I think that there's other guys that can be had. It does seem very deep. I think I was trying to find this list because I was working on, by the way, you can hire me on Cameo to come do little draft sessions with you. Uh, but Texas has a couple of good wide receivers. Uh, Mitchell, Col- or, uh, Worthy and Mitchell. Uh, Florida State had a guy. So there's some guys out there that if you don't end up with the top, well, who's the top? Like Harrison, Adune, or Romeo, Rome. Um, uh, Adunze, yeah. Adunze, uh, Neighbors. You know, those are the three guys. Brock Bowers kind of gets thrown into that mix, too, that if you fall outside of those, there's still some pretty good guys that you can look at. I'm looking up Oregon receivers here. And yeah, I think the last who's the our last, all time, who's our all time leading receiver. It's got to be it's got to be Bobby Moore, Bobby AKA, Moore a.k.a. Ahmad Rashad. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know this. You were a you were a proponent of Pac-12 after dark. They just they run a lot of really fast but small guys out there who don't necessarily translate to the yeah. NFL. I mean, they they work in college. They work great, um, but you know, uh, DeAnthony Thomas didn't necessarily translate to the NFL. Yeah, even when they had, yeah, that's that's very true. They don't have, yeah, their their <laughs> offense is different, and you know that's the way it works. That's yeah. Because who's Mariota's guy? God, I can't even think of it. I can't even think of who Mario. Oh, wow. Because Mariota ran so much, it didn't <laughs> yeah. really matter all that much. Heisman Trophy true. winner, like who is his receiver? Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably kind of weird. Uh, I do want to ask you because uh, you know the, the Packers obviously made a run. The Lions are still in it. I've noticed that Vikings Nation is really sort of having a meltdown over the yeah. Lions being good. How are how are Bears fans handling this? Whatever, they're fine. Uh, we went out, you know, as long as the Packers were out, it's all, it's all good. And the Packers have like the weirdest fan base. Like they, I don't know, like a lot of teams want to win Super Bowls, 
The Packers only want to finish better than the Bears. Like it's a really weird, like you're title town. You're tight. Why do you care about us? Like, okay, because like, oh, I bet you're happy. I'm like, yeah, I mean, like it was cool. Like it's fun to see you guys lose and fall on your face because you're the most obnoxious fan base. Like it's really weird when you think of like the NFC North. Think of this like Detroit. I don't know if you've ever been to Detroit. Detroit's a great city. Mm-hmm. Minneapolis is an amazing city. Chicago yes. is a, a wonderful place. Green Bay sucks as a, town. Like, it's a farm town. And it's like it's got a like a roadway in or whatever it is. Like it's nothing. Like it's you're you're like three of the best metropolitan cities in America in Green Bay. Like what? <laughs> How did you get can we trade you out for somebody else? Like bring in Indianapolis. Like, I don't know. Um but it's it's interesting. So uh, I don't mind the whole Detroit thing. Like it's kind of fun. Like all right, good for them. I think because I like the city of Detroit so much, mm-hmm. and I think that I think there's more of a rivalry between Minnesota and Detroit, whereas uh, Green Bay and Chicago kind of get lumped together. Like if we were doing a thing where we had where if the NFL had a rivalry week, uh, the Lions and Vikings would be matched up, and the Bears and the Bears and Packers would be, and which is another interesting question of like, what would the NFC East be? Like, who would be who would be the Cowboys chief like rival? Every, every, everybody just plays the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's everybody it. plays Cowboys. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question, actually. I, I guess we'd have to ask a Cowboys fan. I think it'd be, I think it'd be Cowboys. I think it'd be Cowboys commanders. But I think yeah. Eagles, Eagles, Giants, Philadelphia, New York always seemed like they always hate each other. Not as violent. I think it would be Cowboys, Eagles. <laughs> oh, I was going to say Cowboys Giants. So I guess there really isn't an answer. <laughs> Cowboys <laughs> Giants. Yeah, I think, I think Cowboys Commanders is probably the one. Florio's Giants there. The, the Dolphins are the Bills version of that for you guys because I had more Dolphins fans celebrating the Bills loss than Chiefs fans. Mm. At least I saw. And, and it's like, all right, you guys, Josh Allen's not good. Then you guys can't beat a, a not good quarterback. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't understand yeah. the thinking, but. <laughs> Jesus. That's how you know that you have a rival uh, when <laughs> when they they lose and you had nothing to do with it, but it's still time for to AFC celebrate, West. So. Who's the Raiders' top rival? Ooh, because nobody, nobody, yeah, because nobody would claim the Chargers. Yeah. Like nobody's yeah. like, hey, we're getting nobody up for the Chargers. Even in the mid two thousands, nobody cared about the Chargers. They're the Bobcats. Yeah, my my friends who <laughs> are Raiders <laughs> fans, they they really hate the Chiefs. They really hate. Yeah, the but Chiefs. they're good now. I, I think like if you were to ask them during the John Elway era, you'd yeah, be like, probably oh, the Broncos. <laughs> That's true. I, I did have a Raiders fan come up to me on Saturday. I had a Bills hat on, and they were like, "I'm a Raiders fan. Hate the Chiefs. Hope you guys beat them." So I was, I was going to say Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, but it's because yeah. of Mahomes and Kelsey. It's Mahomes. It's recency bias. It's the whole thing. The Swifties. So, I don't know. It's not the Chargers. I could tell you that. Nobody, not nobody cares about the Chargers. That's the one thing about <laughs> Chicago and Green Bay is like the Bears have not been good for a long time, but yet. We're still forefront in the Packers fans' mind. Like they've had, you know, a lot of playoff appearances, but they still care about all they care about is besting the like getting farther than the Bears. Like a really weirdo fan base. Like if you're sitting there, if my team had lost on Saturday night, the last thing I would have done is gone to, you know, been surfing reels or TikToks just to talk <laughs> ass to Bears fans. Like, what a weirdo. Like, go away. Like, let me just enjoy this moment. Because everything that happened, it happened because the Jordan Love stuff got a little too out of hand. I'm like, I know that a lot of people don't watch a lot of the games. They're like, this guy, he is like the kid who does stuff. You're like, you keep getting away with this. But something like we had a kid who sat in the back of the class who would like spit spitballs. I'm like, you're going to get detention if you keep this up. 
and eventually gets caught by the teacher and gets Saturday school. And that's exactly what happened. Like, yeah, like Jordan Love, you can throw off your back foot and lob it into the air when you're playing the Carolina Panthers. Uh, you can't do that against the 49ers, as you found out. And uh, try to hit your <laughs> players in stride. Um, but in any event, I was happy to see it. So I was happy for that. And I'm happy to see that Jordan Love is now officially a Packers quarterback. Now that you've lost to the 49ers, you are now officially like like Simba in the Lion King. You get held out there. Like, would, hey, he's, he's one of us now. Would you have it found the right of passage? Because the former Packers quarterback, I think, would have been going – Crazy this week. Oh, it, would been, Love. it would have been win-win. Uh, either one of those. Because <laughs> I had I had two memes ready. It was either you are now a true Packer or Aaron Rodgers system quarterback. And his, wow. whole, his whole thing's a wow. fallacy. Like the only quarterbacks, like uh -huh. that is the one thing, like at least with like Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay and won. And was like the reason that they won. Because I know that mm -hmm. the, the Peyton Manning fans will come and be like, well, Peyton Manning also won with the Brown. Like, okay. Peyton Manning was on a team that won a Super Bowl. He had as much to do with it as Brock Osweiler did. So don't ever, like, as a matter of fact, I would contend that Peyton Manning has never won a Super Bowl. He's been on two Super Bowl winning teams. <laughs> kind of like when you talk about Dave, like whenever they put up David Carr's accomplishments, like Super Bowl quarterback, like, stop it. He was Eli Manning's backup. That's Peyton Manning. You were like, hey, I, if, if if Peyton Manning was on the NFL Network, I would be like, hey, Peyton Manning faced Rex Grossman in the Super Bowl. That would be my thing <laughs> that uh, I would point out to him. Very good statistically quarterback, but face Rex Grossman in the Super Bowl. Uh, and even then, that game was interesting. Rex um, Grossman had a chance to win that, that game. That game was interesting. That was not that the, you know, the Colts didn't run out and hide in that game. Um, no, so, definitely yeah. not. And if, uh, if it wasn't raining, uh, they probably would have lost. Manning would have Manninged, and the Bears would have won. I was talking to uh, Sean Merriman. Cause I was like, Hey, so he was coming on. We were talking about Justin Fields on my podcast and I'm like, Hey, let me, like I always LT hates when I bring this up and I'm like, you guys would have smoked. If Marlon McCree had held on to that ball, you guys would have smoked the Colts in the AFC championship game. Right. And he's like, Oh yeah, we would have beat them by 30. I'm like, of course you would have, uh, then it would have been charged. <laughs> like it real interesting. It would have been chargers versus would have been chargers versus uh bears in that super the bears Bowl. Yeah. i don't i honestly i don't know if we would have beaten the chargers i felt good about it being of all the teams that were alive in the afc playoffs i remember thinking like it's got to be the colts don't let it be new england let it be the colts um but um you know here we are uh well the bears <laughs> they are on the clock we'll see what they do i'm sure we'll talk about the bears at some point but uh glad to talk to them talk about them to uh adam rank who you can find as you mentioned uh on the sick podcast right uh spotify itunes all those spots there all that good stuff we also have a a youtube page for it if you go onto youtube and you hit out the uh the sick podcast with adam rank i will tell you this too uh, it's a little favorite. You don't listen. All you got to do is subscribe. You don't have to listen to it. You don't have to watch it. I understand. <laughs> All of you aren't into the Bears. That's fine. Listen, but I do this for my friends who have like a 49ers podcast. I'm like, I subscribe to it. Do I ever watch it? No. no. But I subscribe to it so they can be like, look at all the subscribers that we have. So listen, a little, a little fun, a little, uh, a little help to the kid here. I got to do just <laughs> click the button. That's all. That's all he's asking. Just click the button. Subscribe. That's all I got to do. Turn off notifications. You're fine. You'll never Just see me again. Just subscribe. That's all it is. <laughs> uh, right, man. Appreciate it, sir. Uh, enjoy golf. Thank you. Oh, no. I got to go. No, it's, it's car trouble today. So I got to go back out. Go pick up my car. 
Like, oh, you also, no, I don't need that. But uh, in any event, <laughs> change your air filter. There it is. Uh, anyway, that's uh, Adam Rank, of course. Of course, that's it for us, too. We're going to wrap this one up. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Uh, enjoy the week, everybody. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.